pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please have a seat? My name is Brian Bradley. I'm one of the uh, uh, elders here at the church. Uh, so I, I realized I should probably introduce myself. Some of you may not know who I am. I'm normally out in Silverton. Uh, in case you didn't know, we planted a church uh, just over a year ago in Silverton, and it's going awesome, by the way. It's so cool. We're chock full of people. We meet in a barn, which gets a tad bit warm when it's 100 degrees out. So uh, be praying for our friends uh, that, are, that are worshiping in Silverton. But it's, it's incredible. It's been so good to see God just providing for that church and, and bringing this group of people together. Uh, and, and it is in large part because of some of the sacrifices that we make here, Outward Salem, sacrifices of, of funds as we have helped pay to start this church and sacrifices of staff as half of our people are out there on a weekly basis getting this thing done. Um, and just sacrifices of, you know, I, I know that things can get uh, a little chaotic when we have less people around and things like that. Uh, but I just wanna say thank you for the incredible uh, sacrifices you all are making, whether you realize it or not, for the sake of Silverton, that city and that church and the incredible things God is doing out there. So super cool. Uh, Matt asked me to preach here in Salem this morning. Of course, I was eager to do that. I haven't seen many of you in a while, so I'm excited to be back and super excited about air conditioning. That's a good thing. Praise the Lord. Okay, so uh, my kids are, are uh, with my wife here in service this morning, uh, which is awesome. I, I love that. One of the things my kids always do uh, when we're heading to bed is my kids, without fail, uh, my, my second daughter especially, Cora, uh, without fail, before she'll go to sleep, Dad, please, can you tell me a story? Tell me a story. They love hearing stories about when I was a little kid. They love hearing stories that I make up. They love hearing stories about anything, right? And so I thought, well, maybe it's fitting then we start with a story. Everybody loves a good story. So I wanna start with a story. 1951, uh, th there was a pilot of a dive bomber uh, and, and he was headed back from Seattle to, uh, let me see here, uh, Mather Air Force Base in Sacramento. That's where he's going. Uh, and there was a passenger, a fellow soldier, just a private. He needed a, to hitch a ride from Seattle to the Air Force Base. <clears throat> and he said, please, is there any way I can hop in your plane? Well, this is a dive bomber. It's got one seat in the cockpit, but it does have a second seat in the, uh, the radar cabin uh, where the radar operator would normally sit. And he said, well, if, if you want to climb into the, uh, the, the radar cabin, uh, I'll, I'll take you down to Sacramento. He said, okay. So he's a big guy, big tall guy. And uh, the pilot watches as he folds himself up into this tiny little space meant for this small uh, radar operator. And he says, okay, keep your, uh, keep your headphones on, you know, with the microphone, that whole thing. Uh, it's not a pressurized cabin, so the only way we're gonna be able to talk is if you have your, your comms on. Okay, no problem, gets in there, closes the door. They take off, okay? Uh, super claustrophobic, I can only imagine, being folded up in this little thing. Um, as they start climbing in elevation, the private in the back of the plane realizes something terrible. There's no oxygen flowing through his mask. And so as they approach 10,000 feet, the oxygen gets real thin, and he's having a hard time breathing. So he says to the comms, hey, I can't breathe back here. And he says, well, the problem is the lower I go, the choppier the air is, and, and the more turbulence we're gonna experience. But I'll go ahead and go. So he, the pilot takes it down to 5,000 feet, and it's jostling this plane all around. But it's the only way that this guy in the back of the plane can breathe, right? They're, they're going along, and then bad goes to worse, okay? His oxygen mask has failed. The door fails. 
the door latch fails and the door flies open. And he calls on the comms, he says, the door's flown open. And he says, well, close it. So he has to unbuckle, reach out in midair and grab this door to close it. But the latch is what has failed, it won't stay latched. So he takes some wires, probably not important, wraps around, tries to hold this door closed, that's not enough. So he has to hold it with his own strength for the rest of this flight, right? So he's sitting there holding this thing and then the comms fail. He can no longer communicate with the pilot. He can hear the conversation the pilot is having with the tower, but he cannot communicate with the pilot as he's sitting there holding this door uh, closed as he's flying, right? So things are getting worse and worse. Then the navigation uh, goes out. The pilot is now flying blind, right? The weather's not good. He's flying blind. He has no navigation. Then he hears over the comms, our, our uh, private in the back of the plane, hears over the comms, we don't have enough fuel to make it to Sacramento. Everything is going wrong on this plane. And so the tower gives him, gives the pilot a direct order. Point your plane into the sea and bail out. The best way to protect civilians on the ground and the life of the pilot is for him to point this plane into the ocean, bail out with his parachute. And the guy in the back of the plane, there is no hope for him. Could you imagine hearing that news on the, on the radio and not even being able to communicate? And so he begins to brace for impact, knowing at some point he's gonna hear the pilot eject with his parachute. And then it will be a matter of moments, maybe minutes, before he's gonna meet the ocean. Right? But, this is the point in the story that we all love. This is the point my kids love. When the tension is at its worst, when things look bleak and hopeless, the only reason we bother telling a story is because it has a, a wonderful and glorious but on which the whole story hinges. And you're all waiting for me to tell you, but what happens? What happens to this poor guy in the back of this plane holding this door shut, right? We gotta know, what is the but in this story? This point in the story is it's where everything turns, it's where everything uh, begins to go from a bad story to a good story. We need a good but, we need a story that's gonna take us from this terrible place to a good place. You're like, get on with it already, Brian. Uh, we wanna know what happens. But the pilot, but the pilot disobeys his direct order. He does not bail out of the plane. Instead, without instruments, in the pitch black of night, with terrible weather, he decides he's going to try to land this plane on the choppy waters. He still doesn't dare try to land uh, on land anywhere for sake of civilians, but he's gonna try to land this thing in the water. And so he's flying blind and he's just bringing the plane down as gently as he can, waiting for the moment where the water smacks the plane. And the only hope here is that the plane doesn't hit nose first and roll because the water will tear this plane apart, killing both pilot and passenger in an instant, right? So he's trying to bring this thing down and set it down in the water the guy in the back has no idea what's happening, 
But at some point, bam, they hit the water. And he's able to keep the nose up and keep the plane from rolling in the water. It's miraculous. Both pilot and passenger are able to fight their way out of the plane into the open water before the plane sinks. And now they are three miles off the coast, uh, off the coast of North uh, California and they have to swim. They try to stay together, but the, the, the waves and the surf, it's just too rough, it breaks them apart. Our, uh, our poor uh, private in the back of the plane, he is now swimming for his life, every man for himself, trying to make it to the beach, and he does, he makes it to the beach. He has no idea how long he's in the water. All he knows is that he only has energy to crawl up to this ra uh, radar tower, radio tower, uh, that he can see. Gets in there, and then they get him some medical help. It is an incredible story. The pilot inserts the butt into the story. He risks his own life so that he can have a chance at saving the poor guy crammed into the back of his plane. He changes the course of the story and he changes it from just a tragic news line to this incredible story of, of, of heroic bravery, right? The pilot's name, you may not uh, no, his name is Lieutenant Anderson. His passenger's name, you've probably heard though, it's Clint Eastwood. 21-year-old Clint Eastwood. Pretty cool, right? So this morning I've got good news and I've got bad news. Right, good news and bad news. Any good sermon should have some good news and bad news. I would ask you uh, what you want me to start with, but we always wanna start with the bad news. Right, let's get the bad news out of the way so we can get on to the good news. Let me tell you some bad news. Uh, this was preached in length last week, so I, won't, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I think it's important that we understand and remember the bad news. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, all, that's all of us, we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That is some of the worst news anyone could possibly hear in all of the history of the world. And as Christians, we love reading it. We celebrate it. Why? Because without bad news, we fail to appreciate the good news. Without bad news, good news isn't all that good. It's not all that significant. It's, it's significant because of how bad, how bleak the situation is. A pilot not bailing out of the cockpit is not good news. <laughs> That's a normal flight, right? Unless... The plane is falling apart and he's been given a direct order to bail out of the cockpit. Now, the pilot not bailing out of the cockpit is incredible news, right? It's the bad news that makes the good news so sweet. And so as Christians, we wanna know and we wanna understand Paul who writes a fee, uh, uh, this letter to the Ephesians, he wants the Ephesians to know, he wants us to know. The bad news. You were dead 